All right, well, as we begin this morning, uh, we are going to center around the word hope. Um, and as we do that, um, we've had this particular topic kind of brewing and stewing in our house for quite some time here at the church. Uh, we've had our hope tree in the lobby, uh, an interactive uh, art collaborative project where we get to just take a word or a scripture or anything that sparks hope in us, write it on a small slip of paper, and then add it to the tree. Uh, as we step into hope in this season uh, throughout Advent, and as we kind of look at what hope really looks like for us connected to the Lord, um, I would encourage you to continue uh, to add your words and messages of hope to the tree throughout the Advent season. Now, the word hope has a specific like meaning in the Bible. And so you'll notice on the hope tree, right above it, there's this scripture that I've shared with it. It's Ephesians 1.18. This is from the Amplified Bible. And it says, I pray that the eyes of your heart, the very center and core of your being, may be enlightened, flooded with light by the Holy Spirit, so that you will know and cherish the hope that is the divine guarantee, the confident expectation to which God has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, that is God's people. And there's something so wonderfully, like, holistic about this verse. When I think about our church family and the idea of fully embracing all that God has for us, um, this prayer of Paul over the Ephesian church seems to encapsulate it so well. Um, I do hope in this season and in every season, but particularly here in Advent as we approach Christmas, that the eyes of our heart, the very core of our being, will be enlightened, yeah, flooded with light by the Holy Spirit, and that we will, in a new way, cherish and know the hope, that divine guarantee the confident expectation. The word for hope in the New Testament is elpis. Here's the Greek word elpis. It does mean the confident expectation of good or divine guarantee. So something that God has begun, something that God is fulfilling, and that will come to complete fruition. To give you a great like snapshot of what we're talking about, it's not unlike ordering something from Amazon. It's on the way. I mean, just if you think about it for a second, you're on Amazon, you're like, I want some really cool yellow-rimmed glasses. And you order these really cool yellow-rimmed glasses. So the process has begun. Like, you've spoken into being. Then, like, you know, the order is processed, and it is fulfilled, and then it is delivered. And in a couple days, ta-da, like, it's, it's happened. You're experiencing the thing that you longed for in your heart. Um, I think it is so cool that like Advent, that God's story of Christ coming to earth, God entering into human form, that it not only has one story of pregnancy and birth, but it has two. If you would, just for a moment, look with me. Uh, oh, I did want to say that. God's goodness is on the way. Thank you for keeping me on my notes. It's one thing to say it's on the way, Right? We ordered it, we, 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 but, but there is like this, this full trust that it's coming. Can we have a, an even greater full trust that his goodness is on the way? All right, now, now Romans. 
verses, verses 19 through 23 of, of, of chapter 8. It says, for all creation, all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Now, against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse, but with eager hope. With eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. We believers, we also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. We long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We, too, wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as adopted children. So we see it. They mention, there's the mention of, of, of the pains of childbirth, but you can also see it right here where it says that the Holy Spirit has been given to us, has been deposited in us as like this foretaste of a future glory. There really is something to um, the process of conception, fulfillment, and delivery that really helps us see like the, the hope the divine guarantee that we have in God. So I think it's really wonderful when we start to step on this idea of like hope that the Lord does open up his story of coming to earth with again, not one, but two stories of like supernatural conception, fulfillment, and delivery. So if you would, join me this morning. We're in Luke chapter 1. And chapter 2, a little bit. We'll probably just stick in chapter 1, though. Um, and I want us to look at what it would look like to hold hope. As we think about this Advent season, as we think about all that God has given us and all that we actually have in our wake, behind us, presently with us, and going forward, um, we'll get to see that happen in Luke chapter 1. I want us to stick on three words. We're going to look at three words today, provision, presence, and promise. Man, I don't know, that's just like the whole like Baptist trifecta there, right? It's got, not only is it a little bit of alliteration, we have, you know, the first two letters are the same. If that's not your jam, uh, I have three more words for you. Um, here, here are those three words, conception, tension, and fulfillment. Because um, that really is probably closer to what happens like in the birth process, right? That there is this moment of conception. Um, God says that, in the word says that, you know, we knew before the beginning of time, before anything was created, that like Christ would make his way into the space of like being our redemption and, and, and cleansing us of all unrighteousness. But there is this moment of conception and there's this tension, there's this time between when like, it's definitely going to happen, but it hasn't happened yet. And then there's this beautiful fulfillment, um, this moment of delivery that uh, just calls for great celebration. I want to stick to provision, presence, and promise, not just because of the fact that they are alliterative, but because of the fact that if you look at those three words, those are really the God activities of this space. We'll see it literally in the story of Luke, and we can even capture it um, I would say even like, you know, more symbolically in our spiritual lives. So if you would, join me in Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 6. We're going to look at the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. 
verse 6 begins like this. It says, Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commands and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were also both very old. But one day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. And it was, was the custom of the priests. He was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. And while the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. Zechariah was in the sanctuary, and an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. And Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son. And you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness. And many will rejoice at his birth. He will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. Right there, you have this couple who is unable to conceive because the wife is barren. They're also old in age. So there's absolutely this supernatural element. Not to mention, there's this casting of lots or this, and basically it's like rolling the dice and then he gets to go inside the sanctuary. All of these things have like a touch of the supernatural bringing them into play. If we were to look, obviously, at the, um, you know, Jesus incarnation. We know that, that was the Holy Spirit bringing that conception alongside Mary. So both of them, there's an element of supernatural involvement. And so one thing that I want us to see in, in this element of provision, like it's God initiated. There is a supernatural element to divine hope. So just as, like it wouldn't have happened without God, in the case of John the Baptist's birth or in the case of Jesus, like, coming to earth. It also, like, wouldn't have happened without God when it comes to our divine hope. The reality that we have complete right, relation with him, right, <laughs> right relationship with him. And that anything that would separate us from him is gone. Like, he initiated that. That was his conception, his idea, his ambition, his gift. And that is the beginning of divine hope. So without God's intervention, without God starting, initiating, there is no hope. But thank God he has. And not only that, man, like, isn't it beautiful that we see, like, how lavish God is? Because not only did he promise Zachariah and Elizabeth a son, is a son who was going to be full of the Holy Spirit before he was even born, who was going to like be the one who prepares the way of the Lord. This is an incredible son, an incredible gift, um, and one that they take great hope in. Provision. And then we go on to presence. So we jump over to verse 16. Actually, verse 18. This is where Zechariah says to the angel, now, how, how can I be sure this will happen? Right? I'm an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. Notice he didn't call her old. That's pretty wise. Um, 
The angel said, I love this. Angel said, he's like, because he's obviously having, he goes, I'm Gabriel. Like, are you kidding me? Like, you have an angel and you were terrified a minute ago? And like, I just love it. He's like, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you don't believe what I said, you will be silent and able to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at their proper time. I love that sentence. My words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Again, like, man, this isn't like just, man, we, we hope it happens. We, you know, this isn't a wish or a daydream. Like, when we talk about divine hope, we're talking about certainty. Something that God begins, invites us into, sprinkles us with, and then at some point really just completely and totally um, shows up. Um, meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why he was taking so long. When he finally did come out, he couldn't speak to them. Then they realized from his gestures and his silence that he must have had a vision in the sanctuary. When Zechariah's week of service in the temple was, was over, he returned home. Soon afterward, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. How kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. Presence. There's also a beautiful kingdom dynamic to this idea of hope. Right? So as people of the vineyard, um, we, we often use this phrase already but not yet. We really cling to, believe, and in fact have an enthusiastic participation in uh, anything that God would give us in this season. All the gifts of the Holy Spirit, uh, whether it be words of encouragement, words of wisdom, prayers of healing, whatever it may be, we believe and we long for whatever God would have for us in any season of our life. That being present and true, it's not all the way here yet. There's still more to come. Um, so we even see here there's this incredibly divine initiation. And then there's this mix of the supernatural and the natural. So Zechariah goes home, and he can't talk. And he can't talk for nine months. Right? You think about Joseph. Joseph is now you know, betrothed to a lady who has a mystery baby. There's a lot of, like, weird in the midst of all of that, right? I'm sure that Elizabeth, again, the one who's very old, carrying John, has days when she's like, yes, I'm going to be a mom. All the shame of barrenness is gone. Oh, my God, I'm 86 years old and I'm carrying a baby. Like, there's this, there's this mix of the natural and the supernatural. And there is, like, this mix of already and not yet in our divine hope. So in the book, The Vineyard DNA, from page 37, I want, I want to check this out. It says, the mystery of the kingdom is that the kingdom of God is here, but it hasn't replaced every other kingdom. The will of God is being done, but so is the will of sinful men and women, and so is the will of Satan. In this age, we are running on parallel tracks. When Christ returns, creation is going to run on a monorail. Can somebody say praise the Lord? 
and our world is going to run on the will of God. It's true. Parallel tracks. There's this mixture of the natural and the supernatural. But what I would like for us to see when we're looking at, again, two stories of conception and birth in that moment where the supernatural is being mixed with the natural. I just wonder how many times when Zechariah was silent that he was some days frustrated, but some days stirred toward the Lord. And again, the same with Elizabeth or Joseph or Mary, as they are in this space in between God's initiation and God's full deliverance, they find themselves back and forth in this parallel space of natural and supernatural. I'm just curious, as we step into Advent, can we, can we leverage our complications and our frustrations to catapult us deeper into his presence? Because here's the truth, man. Yes, we have like these other wills and presences that are happening in our lives, but we also have his will and his presence in our lives. And what is so wonderful about Advent is like this is the season when we celebrate Emmanuel, like God with us. There's something really wonderfully true about like Christmas like we can say Emmanuel like in May, but for some reason, like God with us has a truer, deeper ring now. And so, whatever might complicate you over the course of the next 25 or 27 or 28 days, whatever might frustrate you, may that be a trigger or an inspiration to say, Lord, I'm thankful for your presence in my life. I'm thank you for initiating divine hope that you had this idea that you invited me into a relationship that I'm here in the middle where it's already and not yet and I look so forward to the day when it is fully everything under your will and running your way. Let's transition to the end of the story where we look at promise. This is a flip over to uh, verse 57 with me. So chapter 1 verse 57. It says, when it was time for Elizabeth's baby to be born, she gave birth to a son. And when her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had been very merciful to her, everyone rejoiced with her. When the baby was eight days old, they all came for the circumcision ceremony. And they wanted to name Zechariah after his father. But Elizabeth said, no, his name is John. What? They exclaimed. There's no one in your family by that name. So they used gestures to ask the baby's father what he wanted to name him. And he asked for a writing tablet. And to everyone's surprise, he wrote, his name is John. And instantly, Zechariah could speak again and he began praising God. I don't know if it was like, come on, I get a chance to like say it out loud. I got a son. God's doing this great thing. He was like, oh my God, I can talk again. No more tablets. No more. Hand- right? I mean, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Probably a good mix of it all. But I, it, it does say that he praised. I don't want to be too silly. But he says he praised the Lord. Come on, now. he praised the Lord. And awe fell upon the whole neighborhood. Isn't that beautiful? 
awe fell upon the whole neighborhood. And the news of what happened spread throughout the Judean hills. Everyone who heard about it reflected on these events and asked, what will this child turn out to be? For the hand of the Lord was surely upon him in a special way. Promise. God delivered. God showed up. God finishes what he starts. God finishes what he starts. Um, and I add here, a step in the direction of God's promise is never wasted. I think it's really beautiful that there's this whole thing about his name. Because Zechariah could have done any number of things, but the one thing that he knew to do was to name him John. Same was true of Elizabeth. His name is John. They didn't even ask why. They didn't even question. They were just like, okay, his name is John. And so as we begin to think about like, what God has initiated, and there are the big, broad-stroke realities of right relationship, cleansing of our hearts, the, the eradication of sin, but there's also the incredible intimate relationship that we have with him that's specific to Troy James, and it's specific to Linnell and to David. Like, it's specific to each and every one of us. There's things that God is doing in our lives, crafting in our redemption, that will have a beautiful and specific fulfillment at the coming of his kingdom. And so, like, I had a dream this week that was a really weird dream, and I won't give you all of it. But in the midst of that dream, I did see, for whatever reason, as clear as I can picture it even right now, this foot, like, stepping and trying to move forward, and it was slipping. Like, it wasn't getting any traction. It wasn't going anywhere. And then I woke up, and I was like, man, like an obedient step always goes somewhere. Like it's never wasted. You're not going to spin your wills obeying God. You're not going to spin your wills when you believe, when you take hold of your divine hope, and you say, man, his name is John, right? The Lord loves you. Uh, whatever you might feel to step in to whether it's a selfless act or an encouraging word, whatever it may be, uh, consistent prayer. I'm just telling you, a step in the direction of God's promise is never wasted. We're going to find holy momentum in each step. So I have three questions that I want to put in front of you as we hold hope during Advent. And Yoni, I'm going to ask that you even come up right now and begin to play for us. Here's the first question. Man, like, what has God set in motion in your life? <laughs> isn't, isn't that just a fun question? The second one, what hope has he conceived in you? And yeah, again, there's the broad stroke ones, man. I mean, he has eradicated our sin uh, with the faithful pouring out of his blood on the cross, invited us into relationship, intimate relationship where we can speak to him directly, hear his voice, commune with him, but I'm also certain there's just some other things that God has set in motion in your life. There's divine hope that he's conceived in you. That's his provision. When we think about his presence, we are going to have moments in this season of life, in every season of life, 
where we're either our day is complicated or we're frustrated. I remember just this past week, man, not this Sunday, but last Sunday, I was making my way here. I always stop at a coffee shop on the way here. And man, for some reason, like I was the only dude in the drive-thru. And I sat there and I said, and y'all, I just ordered coffee, like coffee and half and half. And a sandwich that you put in the microwave. I'm like, and I was there for like 12 minutes. And I wasn't like super like mad. I've gotten to where I can, for the most part, like bridle anger. But I was like befuddled. I was like, what is going on, man? Like, I'm like, it's just coffee half and half and a sandwich. Like, what? And like, and it was weird because if I let it, that curiosity and frust could really begin to escalate, right? It really could. And so I, I now I'm thinking, man, when those moments occur, I want those to be a trigger. I want those to be a, a, the, a moment that propel me into the Lord's presence. And so as soon as they said, that's a good idea, we'll try that. I'm going to ask you right now, determine a specific response to those daily tensions. As we step into Advent, as we want to sense more of God's divine hope, real promise and fulfillment in our lives, how can we genuinely connect with Him? when those moments of frustration occur. Maybe it is, like you keep a journal with you or you open up a note in your phone, however it is conducive to always have it on you, and you thank him. You actually write down a thank you. Maybe it is simply a prayer where you connect with him deeply, heart to heart. Maybe it's some kind of action. You're like, now, okay, I'm gonna encourage someone. If I get frustrated, I'm gonna encourage someone. And I don't want it to be just like reactive, right? Because sometimes it's like, Okay, I'm gonna bless somebody. I'm gonna bless somebody. And there's just, there's there's like no heart in it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm frustrated, so I gotta bless somebody. And you send them some weird text that's like in all caps, and they're like, what is going on with this person? Right? Like, let's pause and let's respond and say, no, I understand that there are parallel there's there's parallel lines running right now, but I'm gonna lean in the direction, in the direction of the divine. And we slow ourselves to genuinely thank God. We slow ourselves to genuinely have a moment of prayer or to genuinely pass on a word of encouragement. Determine that specific response so that Advent is that much sweeter this season. And finally, man, what step can you take? What step can I take toward his promise in this season? What does it look like to be obedient? What does it look like to receive vision from the Lord uh, and act upon it? I'm so excited to spend Advent with you guys this year. Um, it's just super fun to do it. It's super fun to have this level of expectation in the days to come.